something is wrong, and it's time to stand up. You are listening to The John Aid Show. Trust no one. Trust no one. Trust no one. You found it. You're here. You're headlong down the runaway train that is the Anomic Age, and I'm your host, John Age. Happy to be back with you in the not-so-wee hours of the PM today, doing a daytime show, which is a little bit rare. Nevertheless, please check out AnomicAge.com if you've not already done so. Like all the likes, subscribe to all the subscriptions, and of course, share those links, friends, family, loved ones, and enemies. we got a great show for you today. So I'll just uh, cut to the chase and uh, and get us right into it. Our guest today is an American author, a freelance journalist who writes extensively on Halloween. She's the author of numerous books, including a Halloween how-to, Halloween in American Holiday and American History, a Halloween Reader, and Halloween Nation. Please welcome into the Anomic Age, Leslie Manatine. Thank you for being with us, Leslie. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Great to be here. And I'm so excited to talk to you. We didn't get to talk much before the show, thanks to some technical mishaps on my end. But I love Halloween, and this is kind of a step outside of the box for what my show normally brings the audience. But I love this. I don't care. This is exactly what I want to talk about this time of year. And and you're the exact person who I should be talking to. So much information and knowledge on Halloween its history, its transformation here in the United States from from all various parts of the world. So I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you. Well, I guess as they say, we should kind of begin at the beginning uh, as to what uh, what is Halloween? How did it become what we know it today? I mean, I'm a Christian point blank, but I, I get sort of like... I don't know, resentful sometimes because it's always kind of painted as this dark occultic holiday. And I suppose if you get to the Druidic roots and all that, yeah, yeah, I feel you. But, you know, I, I'd point to Easter and, and Christmas and look at all those, those um, you know, uh, bits and bobs of occultism in there as well and say, well, you know, I, I just don't think it's all that bad. What do you think? Give us a little little background on where we're coming from with this day. Um. I totally hear you. So those holidays you mentioned, including Halloween, um, they're all Christian holidays that were once associated with a pagan holiday. So, you know, everybody's, it's not necessarily a cult, I think they come from, but paganism. Mm -hmm. So that sometimes gets confused. But prehistorically, there was a time of year in Northwestern Europe, that's Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Northern England, called Samhain, which means summer's end. And it fell around November 1st, and it was the end of summer, beginning of winter, which meant it was on the cusp of the dark and dangerous season. And so because it was it was a feast, it was a celebration, it was the gathering of the tribes, but because it was looking into winter, into the dark, into what could be out there in the dark, um, it always had a supernatural element to it. So we find out about this holiday not because they wrote it down but because irish monks who christianized ireland mm -hmm. started to collect stories that they heard and write them down because they wanted to give ireland as big a mythology as greece or rome had and so we have these great irish mythologies that tell us about this time of year Samhain. and so the church 
you know, fast forward a couple hundred years, the church puts All Saints Day on November 1st, a day to celebrate all the saints who don't have their own days. And it puts All Souls Day a couple hundred years later on November 2nd to reinforce the idea that the saints could intercede on behalf of the dead, which was really important in medieval times that you could pray your loved one from purgatory to heaven. Those are the church holidays that Halloween actually comes from because the name um, All Saints Day is also known as All Hallows. All Hallows Eve is the night before. That's our Halloween. So it was related to a church day, a church feast day, an important one in throughout Europe until about the 1700s. And it starts to separate from the church and become a secular holiday. And that's when the Halloween that we might recognize is known and it becomes a night for playing games and fortune telling and getting together with your family and telling stories and you know looking out into the future so it has a little supernatural element to it and witches are associated with it because if you're talking witchcraft in scotland say in 1700 you're talking about witches mm -hmm. and so this little group of folkloric traditions is what actually comes across with the scots and the irish to North America starting in the 1700s and 1800s. So that's kind of, it, it got carried over by them um, as a secular holiday and became very popular after the Civil War. And the reason it became popular here after the Civil War was that we were obsessed with ghosts. Hmm. And that is a time where, of course, you know, there were a lot of seances happening there were a lot of soldiers that were missing in the Civil War, a lot of death, and people didn't know if their loved ones were missing or, or dead or in a hospital somewhere. And there was this huge desire to know, to look into the spirit world, to know what was going on. And here was this holiday, this kind of ghostly, otherworldly holiday. It came from an exotic place, Ireland and Scotland, mm -hmm. and Victorian party givers adopted it, loved it, and started throwing the first Halloween parties in this country. And that's that that's the beginning of American Halloween. That's so amazing. And it, it really does connect into that spiritualism that was going on at that time frame. I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, even Abraham Lincoln or and his wife were involved in in seances. Yeah. So, I mean, this was yeah. this was commonplace. It was kind of like, you know, just a, a normal thing at that at that era in American history. It was, it was, it was, lots of people did it. Some people played at it. Some people were serious, like Lincoln's wife, Mary, who had lost so many children. Mm. It's the desire to know. And here is this movement, this spiritualist movement that says we can talk to the dead. And it just dovetailed at the right time with so much, so many people wanting to know where their loved ones were. Where are they? And that had to do a lot with like I said, so many people who had died during the Civil War, everyone had lost someone. So um, it it was a time to try to find out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so many so many people don't think of Halloween and they don't think of the Civil War as being a, a connecting point. But I think it's just kind of our lost history where we view a war as happening somewhere across the pond, if you will. And not here in our backyard, but I mean that was a literal fact. I mean people would would leave their homestead or leave their plantation and say, "All right, I'm I'm off to war," and those loved ones may not have any clue what became yeah. of that husband, uh, brother, or, or so forth. You know? Yes, yes. So many unmarked graves. 
But another thing that the Victorians picked up on, other than their love of the spirit world and ghosts and being obsessed with that, was this was like one of the first industrial, post-industrial societies. Mm. And with all that was happening with that, you know, machines and pollution and, and all sorts of stuff in the cities, um, people were really looking for a more rural experience, something that was closer to nature or of a previous time, something that was maybe closer to the truth, they thought. Mm -hmm. And so another reason Halloween was became really popular at that point was that it was seen as a rural holiday. Country people celebrated it. And so Victorians, even if they're in the cities of New York, Boston, wherever, thought, oh, let's have this rural holiday. And they would decorate with hay bales and corn stalks and pumpkins and, you know, bring the outside inside into their city homes and have a little bit of country there, as well as the ghostliness. So they liked both things about it. And I mean, I would see that connection as being so accurate today because so many times today, I mean, you see people from the more metropolitan areas, they'll go an hour outside of town and go to a farm or go to a corn maze, you know, I mean, all these sort of things. I think that's that's so important. That's that that connection to the earth, that connection to the, the spiritual that I think people are, are lacking, especially now more than ever. I mean, not to get off on a jag, but I mean, people have been cooped up in the house for a couple of years now. So I think this Halloween could be, I don't know, hopefully bigger and better than it has been the past couple of years anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're really right. It's it's this desire to kind of get back to the earth, or at least bring parts of the earth to you, so you have the feeling that you're connected to something, something older, something maybe more authentic, or just definitely something related to the seasons and nature. Absolutely. Well, where do we get to see like so many of the hallmarks that we would see today, like the masks, the pumpkins and the jack o' lanterns? I mean the 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 dressing up. I mean, I think that's such a part of it. When I was a kid, I mean, that was the best holiday ever. It was kind of like Christmas is cool because you get all these gifts. I didn't even care about the candy. I just wanted to dress up, stay out a little later. You're out there at, at dark with mom or dad, you know, wandering around the neighborhood. I mean, it was, it was everything you want to do as a kid. And I think kind of like tying back to that psychological as adults, I think it's so much of what adults want to uh, reconnect to is that childlike innocence and that sort of being silly and crazy for at least couple hours out of the year. you know. Yes, you, you are absolutely right there. I mean, the reason Halloween is popular among adults now as well as kids and has been for the last mm, 40 or 50 years, I think you're exactly right. It's nostalgia. It's kids who grew up during the golden age of trick-or-treating, maybe the 50s, 60s into the 70s. They grow up, they do not want to give away that feeling of freedom of running around after dark, you know, in a cape or with a tail. There's nothing like it. It's, it's you know, a delicious memory of childhood. And some people can recapture that by taking their kids out. Some people can recapture it by dressing up as anything mm -hmm. <laughs> and going to a costume party as an adult. Um, but how did that come into the celebration of Halloween? In the earliest late, um, yeah, the earliest Victorian parties, say, in the late 1800s, there actually were costumes involved. You could wear a costume and it was usually exotic. It was something having to do with night or bats or black cats or something related to the hollow Halloween imagery. And they were handmade, of course, because we didn't have mass produced products. 
Mm-hmm. In the tw- early 20th century, Halloween became a great big town-wide party that everybody celebrated, kids, grandma, grandpa, parents, everybody. Big parades, big parties, and they were all costume parties. We used to love to dress up. We used to dress up on Thanksgiving. We used to have costume parades on July 4th. We would dress up on New Year's Eve. Now Halloween's the only holiday we have left that we dress up unless you're lucky enough to live in New Orleans and you yeah. know have a costume closet. <laughs> but for the rest of us, it's Halloween. And so people would dress up in all sorts of costumes, not just scary ones, and parade through the streets and have parties. And as the 20th century went on, um, it veered more and more towards giving the holiday to children. And that had to do with the baby boomers, and it had to do with the advent of suburbs, but, and, and our culture in general was given over more and more to children and to younger children. So that's when trick-or-treating really comes about. It's like the late 30s and the 40s. It start wearing costumes and masks and store-bought costumes and masks sometimes and going house to house begging for candy. And that's what we all think of as Halloween, but it's pretty recent. It's less than 100 years old. Yeah, I'm glad you make it, mentioned the uh, the the store ball versus the handmade because I think that's so important too. I mean, I still got an old Indian costume somewhere that my grandmother made me when I was about seven or eight. I don't know, but I think there's so much more more value to it, and I think it does kind of connect back to that psychology of we're hand making something. We're not just going and buying it, and we're we're getting back to nature. We're getting back to you know that that metropolitan versus rural. We're going back in time almost it really is kind of like a little time machine for a moment i think for so many people back in time and and out into imagination you yeah. know out in, like if you ask a kid what they're going to wear on halloween you don't say that it's like what do you want to be well who are you going to be on halloween what are you going to be and so for a night you are batman you know yeah. you are a ghost or a witch or a monster or a superhero princess you go on it's it's who, and I think that translates into adult costumes too. It's like, who do you want to show the world tonight? Because, you know, you might show them a side of yourself you don't usually show, like um, something that's powerful, or if you're shy, it's really outrageous, or it's sexy, or it's dangerous, or it's really smart, or really clever, or really funny. So, you know, you get to you get to whatever box you're in on Halloween, you get to come out for a night. And I think we tolerate a whole lot of stuff on Halloween because it is one night. And, you know, come November 1st, you can't have a six foot tall man walking around in a peep costume. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of jokingly, but not really with someone recently. And I was saying, yeah, it's all downhill after Halloween. You got you got Thanksgiving and Christmas and Valentine's Day. And, you know, like for me, I'm just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> But one other angle I wanted to get into with this was haunted houses. I think that's mm-hmm. now that's such a part of things. And I guess, I mean, I'm just sort of throwing things in the water here, but I guess that is that connection to kind of those early um, early era of Halloween where people were bats and black cats and, and sort of all these sort of, uh, I don't know, seemingly esoteric animals, even though they're really not. Uh, is that uh, just sort of an extension of that? Like, when did the, the haunted house kind of become in vogue, I suppose, yeah. and have something to do with Halloween? But it's 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 an interesting question because at the very beginning of the very first Halloween parties that we were throwing, 
Um, there was a very rudimentary haunted house vibe attached to it. So if you were throwing a Halloween party in 1890, say, and you had a, a big house, you would have guests enter and go down to the cellar and it would be dark. It would only be lit by candles. And on the way down to the cellar, I've read this one account, someone would smash a paper bag over your head <laughs> and another person might put a wet clammy hand on the back of your neck. So these are elements that we see in haunted houses today, but they were part of decorations in Victorian times that, you know, not everybody, but there was this element of spookiness and let's get scared. That's what this holiday is about. Let's, let's get scared in a way that we understand is very safe. And always it's dark holidays celebrated usually after dark, right? Even for, for children. And so all the nocturnal animals are associated with it, like bats and, and, and cats and things like that. Nighttime things, owls. Mm -hmm. um, but if you go forward, you'll find like the dark rides at carnivals were the very beginnings of our haunted house industry. Those rides that you get in and go through a spooky house mm -hmm. at carnival in the summertime. But then what, what made them very popular was in the 70s, the Junior Chamber of Commerce hit on the idea that haunted houses at Halloween could be a great way to raise money for charity. And they started um, establishing them coast to coast and they published a handbook. So every town could have a JCC haunted house nice. and it became really popular and then just grew from there when other creators of haunted houses got into the business and it grew larger and larger and larger, mostly influenced by movies and Hollywood and you know media so that now we have these massive like twenty thousand square foot haunted entertainments that that you walk through with state-of-the-art monsters and effects and fog and all sorts of crazy stuff but we ask more from from our entertainment now than we did you know back in the 70s yeah and i can't help but think that there's probably a psychological angle to this whole thing also in the the fear factor it's kind of like we for better or worse i mean i know there's danger out there but for better or worse we live in such a, a safe sanitized society for the most part and i think it's kind of that one day a year where you get to be on a roller coaster that's real life for a minute you never know where somebody's gonna try to scare you or you never know the somebody's gonna jump out you know something like that i think it's it's the same reason people ride roller coasters because they know they're strapped in and barring a disaster, they can go over to some loops and high speeds and low speeds and just, ah, uh, the ride ends, you're safe. You know, I think I think Halloween kind of pegs into that, that sort of adrenaline rush that we want, but we don't necessarily want to go through, you know, <laughs> maybe Central Park at three in the morning, but, but you'll, you'll go on a, a spooky ride and you'll, you'll subject yourself to the sanitized uh, fear, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you feel it for real. So, you know, when someone jumps out at you, you get that rush. And <laughs> when you made it through and you're fine, you feel great about it. It's like, you know, creating this little group of warriors to go through a haunted house and succeed. So there's something about that, too, that you challenge yourself and and you you're victorious. And yeah. there's something really good about that. It's catharsis. It's theater, right? Halloween is a lot about theater. And this is one part of it. It's cathartic. It makes you feel good afterwards. And I, I mean, I think you're right in, in that there, it's fun. 
And this is the one time of year where you can kind of put your arms around everything that's scary and control it. Whereas other times, maybe you can't control what's out there. You're, you just can't. And it happens. Towers fall, banks, banks go bankrupt, yeah. levees break. But now on Halloween, you can, you can just wrap your rounds around everything that's scary and control it. And, and it's all for fun. It puts a little light into all that stuff that you can't control. Yeah. I mean, you get to kind of be the hero in your own movie for a second. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, and we'll kind of touch on this, how Hollywood plays into this. But when I was a kid, it was kind of like, oh, are, are we going to that haunted house? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. You know, like the guides especially. Oh, yeah, we've done that. <laughs> it's not scary. You know, it's sort of weird, uh, immature machismo that happens in adolescence sometimes. But I think it transcends into adulthood, too. But I mean, kind of playing into the media side of this, I think the media was so integral with the uh, the development evolution of, of our Halloween. And I don't know how far back this kind of connects in, but, you know, I remember a lot of those movies in the 70s and 80s where where it said, you know, can you survive the you know, fill in the blank or banned in three countries and fill in the blank. So it kind of played into that that macho mm-hmm. drive and also you know with the ladies as well like oh i don't know if we could sit through th- oh we're gonna try we're gonna watch it <laughs> kind of plays into all that stuff <laughs> yes again you know the early horror movies like frankenstein and dracula that were released in 1931 those black and white classic monster movies they were not associated with halloween it was like nobody thought of halloween and, and horror together um frankenstein came out on thanksgiving Dracula came out on Valentine's Day. Really? Um, it wasn't <laughs> awesome. until uh, 1978 John Carpenter's Halloween that Hollywood and the rest of us put Halloween and horror together. You know, until that time, Halloween was eerie. It was spooky. It was mysterious. It was magical, scary. But after um, the movie Halloween, it was also bloody and violent and, and visually dangerous. So um, it really did change the face of Halloween, but it also brought a lot of adults back into celebrating Halloween because there are lots of fans of horror out there. And those people became fans of Halloween and uh, the celebration of Halloween got a lot bigger and a lot more adult after all those horror movies started to feature Halloween. That's so interesting. I didn't really realize that the horror movies weren't always kind of connected with that. I know, you know, coming out on Valentine's Day for Frankenstein, that's amazing. Man. so where i mean i don't know how to frame this one but i i mean it seems so it's it seems like bacon and eggs right now but i mean that that sort of shift really just happened with halloween with that john carpenter film is that where it really sort of delineated into horror movies connected into into halloween you know you know nothing is ever finite like that oh yeah yeah it's so clear but i would say that was that was a big moment and that that movie because he made it so cheaply um unleashed a whole slew of of movies that were horror movies that were violent horror movies which you mentioned throughout the 80s and then into the 90s and now the horror factor has just gotten much more graphic since then and and the number of movies that are set on Halloween or make reference to Halloween have just strengthened that tie between bloody scary Halloween and bloody scary horror movies. So, you know, even the costumes after that movie came out, you got all the 
and serial killer costumes that became so popular after that that you can you can be Freddy or Jason on Halloween. So there was definitely a marriage of those two Hollywood media and Halloween the actual holiday. Yeah, I mean that was one thing I was going to touch on before we left it today is the costume angle and that that big change in costume because I remember when I was a kid it, it was kind of like this I was telling my daughter this kind of like this this rubbery plastic costume came in a box and you had this really lame mask that stapled with some rubber bands on the back and that was kind of it I mean that was it, it was a meme recently like showing a classroom in 85 or something and all the kids for Halloween kind of had that had that costume on but it's changed so much I mean just the the amount of money and the marketing I mean, it's got to be tremendous now I think I was I was researching this a little bit last night and I think it was like number five as far as the the big spender holidays, which I was thinking it should have been probably two or three, but I don't know. It, it's gotten yeah. very commercial, and I think those horror movies kind of played into that for sure. They definitely did. All media does now, though. I mean, yeah. um, TikTok and Instagram inspire costumes now. You know, it's it, the costumes have always followed along with popular culture. So, you know, your costumes in the in the big age of radio would have followed that. Your little orphan Annie. And in the yeah. early television, you're the Three Stooges or Minnie Mouse. And, and then up through the movies, through the horror movies, into all the movies that are popular now, all the things that are popular in our culture now, which, you know, it's not just movies, it's everything else, all media. Um, and costumes will represent that. But costumes, you still can make your own costume. And you can be a lot more current if you make your own costume because, you know, costume people can't see more than a couple months <laughs> to make the costume. Yeah. So if something happens today and you want to comment on it on Halloween, you've got to make your own costume. And some of those are just brilliant. And it's so kind of funny, the longevity of some of those costumes. You mentioned the the Halloween movie. It's like over 40 years old now. And Michael Myers is still a, a yes. staple costume at any store you want to go to. Basically, it's very yeah. funny. <laughs> Well, I know we don't have much time left and you got a lot of different books that people might be interested in. What's kind of the Cliff Notes version of, of where you would point somebody that's just kind of, man, I want to get a Halloween book. I mean, we got a couple weeks left. I would say... Um, or a couple days left. About, Excuse me. Good grief. A couple days left. <laughs> if you want to know about Halloween today, like how big it is, how it's celebrated, who does it and why... Um, I would go to Halloween Nation, behind the scenes of America's Fright Night. I went out for a couple of years and just talked to people who were in the Halloween making and creating business. Um, that one's fun. Or if you want to know the history of Halloween from 2,000 years ago till now-ish, Halloween in American Holiday in American History is the one. If you like the literature, it's a Halloween reader. That sounds great. Well, Leslie, I hate to leave you, but... We got to go, I suppose. So where's the best place people can follow you? I got your um, iSkullHalloween.com link up here. Is there another one that might be more accessible? Um, that's the best one. Um, you can always find me on Facebook. My name, Leslie Vanatine, or um, yeah, that's the best place to find me. Sounds good. Do you have any uh, upcoming books or stuff you're working on now that people might uh, kind of teaser people with any Oh, you're nice to ask. I have a collection of short stories that came out this year. They're not Halloween create uh, related, but 
they are um, what I'm excited about right now today. Nice. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. It's called Unaccustomed to Grace, and you'll see it on my website also. Okay. Yeah, and if anybody missed that, it's going to be available in the show links as well. Well, if you'll stick around for about 30 seconds, I will close up here and uh, talk to you and say goodbye up the air. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Man, if you missed any of that, anomicase.com. We got to get Leslie back on to talk more Halloween. I could talk about this all day. I kind of love these topics. Love it. So, anomicage.com is where you're going to be able to find today's show, the video, the audio, as well as all past shows. Best place to go. You never know. <laughs> the social media censors me quite often, so it'll be up there. This one will be, I think. It's 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 uh, sanitized for your protection. Nevertheless, you can't do everything, but you can do something. So be safe out there, and I'll be seeing you sooner than later in the Anomic Age. Thank you for listening to The Anomic Age, a John Age project. For past shows, further info, and to comment, go to anomicage.com. That's A-N-O-M-I-C-A-G-E.com. Till next time, thank you for listening to The Anomic Age. I'm <laughs> sorry.